Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Jeff Yan. In this episode, you will hear part two of my conversation with Peter McClellan from Oxford College of Emory University. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Um, so I, I wanted to maybe talk a little bit about, you mentioned storytelling. Um, I actually recently attended one of your storytelling workshop. Um, want to tell us about that and what you think about storytelling in the world of um, pedagogy, teaching and learning? Sure. I, I think a lot more of it now than I did uh, like six months ago. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there was a, um, I, it actually started with the sort of this, this anti-racist kind of line of thinking and, and um, thinking, I was just kind of thinking about like how we assess portfolios. It was really early on. And um, so I just kind of emailed some people <laughs> and, um, and said, I have some thoughts, you know, uh, what do you think? Uh, which is, um, I don't know if that's a good way of networking or not, um, but that's just kind of how my brain works. So I just kind of like, just like threw some stuff out there. And it worked. Uh, it worked. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Tracy Penny Light got back to me uh, and she had connected me with with Paul Wasco and then Elise Halam in, um, at Puget From Sound. Puget Sound. Mm-hmm. And, and this is Tracy Penny Light, who's uh, at uh, St. George's, uh, but also um, a uh, very, you know, renowned research in e-portfolios and, 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 and yeah. pedagogy and gender studies. And, and she's also the, uh, the president, uh, of, uh, ABLE. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I think she's the co-founder too of, oh my gosh, the center for research. Uh Oh, well, CRSE center for research and storytelling and education. That's it. Yeah. There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, uh, She's the president of organizations with very long acronyms. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, she was, I mean, it was great. So we were able to, to connect and start thinking about like, well, what is it that's really happening here? You know, um, that we can, you know, you know, basically they, they helped me think about like, well, are you interested in assessment? Or are you interested in stories? And so we, we started thinking about, um, what's actually happening in portfolios and people's telling stories and, um, uh, and so we, we put together a, a panel for a series that the CRSE was doing on um, on digital mm-hmm. storytelling. And uh, so we were able to talk about digital storytelling and, and portfolios. But, you know, my, my interest in, in that is, is largely how people hear stories. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I've come to think of myself as a scholar with a lot of privilege. And, um, and what that means for me is um, I need to hear, and this is to go back to haunting, I need to hear voices. Um, I need to kind of dwell with sort of like people who are speaking and, and um, who I might not otherwise see or hear in my everyday life. Um, and what are the stories that they're, they're telling? And what is the knowledge that's carried within those stories? Um, and so for me, it's, uh, there's, I mean, there's lots of ways to think about, uh, about storytelling education. For my part, it's, it's, it's the, it's the hearing part that's, that's most critical. And then, so hearing those stories and then thinking about how they kind of like become part of who, who I am and I'm decentering myself. Um, it's a, it's a, it's an, it's a personal exercise. It's an academic exercise. And, um, now thanks to my role at Oxford, it's a, it's a professional exercise as well. Um, you know, to, to hear what people are saying and then to, and then to change my, my practice because it's changed me, um, changed me personally. 
It's a, I think it's, it's a, it's really powerful. I mean, to me, um, when we started the education almost like 20 years ago, actually over 20 years ago now, um, we, uh, we had this idea that, um, we can, we can make, uh, there's a certain, so almost channel, a certain segment, a certain sliver of sort of educational experience that we really were drawn to. And, mm -hmm. and it, it wasn't even called, we didn't even call it reflection, but it sort of feels a little bit like it, but it's one that is, has a, little, a social component to it. And we, we just call it storytelling and conversations. Mm. And, um, and uh, but it, it does have that feel of, you know, you could have done it at a campfire as much as you do it in a po on a podium and you know all of it in the panel with multiple yeah. people in a very formal way um or you know over coffee or drinks or you know what or, or a meal you know mm -hmm. um we find that to be one of the most um it's a very human thing to do and it transcends you know sort of across different culture and you know people break bread if you eat bread but you know bread have meals and you know like people like gather you know as as families and friends together and they're not only um uh education but they are also highly enjoyable mm. um so so in some ways you know we've always wanted to see what a sort of a longer form sort of storytelling and conversation looks like, you know, sort of in on, in the 21st century that can scale across, you know, to, you know, to, 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 to lots of people. And, you know, when you share your story and the conversations can sort of, you know, carry on uh, in a, in a, in a, in a, in this digital networked world. Um, and so, yeah, that's a that's a that's a really interesting set of little connection between what you were saying to how we we started, you know, education all those many years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, I was uh, I was actually I was I was wondering um, whether it, in your in your uh, work so far having worked at both you know drew university and and at oxford um what are the some of the some of the patterns that you've seen so far especially working with faculty because i i think that there are a lot of folks that are your counterparts probably listening to this mm -hmm. and some might be very experienced and then some um maybe just getting started but regard, regardless of experience, I think that everyone has had the experience of, I don't know how to get my faculty engaged, mm -hmm. uh, or I'm having trouble getting certain, certain faculty or certain programs engaged. Um, I'm sure that you have had your fair share of that as well. Um, yeah. Do you want to share some of your, your learning, your, your success and failures, you know, whatever yeah. that you, you think is best? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, that's the, um, that's the challenge. I think, um, I have been, um, I have been fortunate to, uh, work in spaces where the, the initiative, the, you know, the curricular initiative that portfolios are a part of, um, has been well supported by the administration. And so like, um, 
so so that helps. So I don't feel yeah. I don't ever feel like I'm going it alone. Um, you know, if something is just kind of just one more thing that oh, you know, the dean just wants mm. to do this, um, yeah. and then there's no um, real um, strength behind it. Um, that that it just, it just fizzles out. And I think that's true with any curricular initiative. Um, and, uh, and so I've been fortunate to, to be in situations where we've been well, we've been well supported. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also helps, and these are just two broad observations first, but it also helps to have faculty who care about, who are just excited about teaching. And in both situations I, I was in, the faculty were, you know, are, um, intentional teachers, um, because um, you can do a lot of the pedagogy, I think, that portfolios afford you the opportunity to do without portfolios. Um, they just make it better and enhance it and, um, you know, allow for, well, the digital world to become part of it. And, right. and you know. So you're looking for, you, you're but, looking to partner with faculty who, who are already um, more or less practicing the kind of pedagogy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So we have, I mean, what are called um, early adopters uh, or faculty advocates, right? So if you find somebody who's, and not that that we have this like official faculty office, this is just kind of how me and and, and my team think about it, which is like you find folks who are your are your stars, who both are ready to try and are already doing it, um, and are also um, well respected. Uh, among their colleagues, right? Like people see them as the folks who will who will try out the new thing, and mm-hmm. if they like it, will will carry it forward. Um, so we have a number of those folks, and then kind of networking them um, together as well. So saying like, if somebody approaches me and says, "Well, I'm thinking about doing portfolios for this class," you can say, "Well, Professor X, Y, Z, whatever did this. Here's their assignment, you know." And and mm-hmm. you can kind of like trade those things back and forth. So we have this. Um, we have kind of a we've got this, like this, this basically a portfolio assignment for a course um, that has changed hands with all these different faculty and it, every, everyone like yeah. updates it a little bit. And yeah. then they, I just kind of ask for it for them and then share it with other people. And mm-hmm. it's over the, over the course of like three years, it's now come back to the person who originally wrote the assignment and it's a little bit different here. Yeah. Um, and so it's um, yeah. So it's just kind of, I mean, that way it's kind of fun. It's a community thing. Mm-hmm. Um but, sort of like a community of practice almost. Yeah. The yeah. active support for each other a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I also think, and this is the, I mean, kind of the final thing is just letting faculty know that it's not easy. I mean, it's hard to teach mm-hmm. with portfolios. It's for a lot of them, it's a new way of thinking, thinking mm-hmm. about a reflective practice, portfolio pedagogy, and just kind of letting them know this isn't going to be difficult and I'm here to support you. And here are all the resources I have for you. So, so much of my time is spent creating yeah. resources for faculty and just so that they can be approached in the right they they have what they need that ex, you know exists in the right format for them. Um, and so so. you so you you really pitch them as look it's hard but first of all I'm going to help you but you know the 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 real key question is is it worth it right mm-hmm. is it yeah. worth doing this hard thing because it's going to be better for your students yeah yeah I mean yeah. I've I've seen you I've seen I feel like I've seen you do it and it's you know the faculty. I mean, it's uh, it's interesting to think about the early adopters because they they are more willing to do that. T- tell me, how do you? What are some of the telltale signs that you see from faculty? You know, the ones that you said already sort of practicing this. What is that like? Really, how does that manifest? If you are, I don't know, a writing professor or uh, or a something in STEM, um, <laughs> you know, what does that look like? Like when they're when they're ready to do it, 
Yeah, like the ones that you're like, oh, okay, this is the professor that probably is going to be a great. Like maybe they yeah. do some, you know, they always do project based stuff as opposed yeah. to you know lectures. Yeah. So well, project project based learning is. I mean, that those are the folks who are who are just like ready to go. Um, right. You know, and and it's like you tell them about. You know, they you might they might just ask you about what you do, and you tell them, mm-hmm. and the, and then you know, light bulb goes off. It's like, wait a second, you know, I could do this. I could, do, I could use portfolios for this. Um, a lot of it, but that's, that is a lot of it. It's like, just explain to folks like what, what, what I do kind of helps them. So, and what that looks like for me is, uh, is actually when I started Oxford, I just like went to as many faculties I could and just set up like half an hour meetings with them in their mm-hmm. offices at lunch, just to see what they did yeah. and talk about what I did. And, um, and, because I think por- portfolios kind of sell themselves. Mm-hmm. So I don't really see myself as a salesperson. It's just kind of like explaining to them like, Hey, this is, this is good teaching. So that's where a lot of, a lot of it happens is, is faculty who hear what I do, see what their colleagues do. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really need to know if they're ready or not. Mm-hmm. Um, they just kind of approach me. They make their own large. connections. They, they do. They, they make the, And you know, the, the, but this part that you mentioned, and this is a little bit of that tacit knowledge here, I think, mm-hmm. Which is you go, well, I just set up time to meet with them, you know, half an hour, one-on-one, whatever. Um, I think that when people start, that's like super important. Mm. Like to be able to just take the time to go in and do that. Mm. It sounds like the unscalable thing to do mm-hmm. because it's like you can't just send out one general message and everyone gets it. And then like thousands <laughs> of people like suddenly flock to your door. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Right. Yeah. And it, it almost feels like, hey, if you want people to vote, if you're an organizer, a community organizer mm. or an activist, you know, you got to go and knock on people's doors. You need to, you know, show up. Right. And I think that that's a um, that's something that um, uh, uh, I think a, a lot of the successful people in, you know that are you know in your in your role at various institutions that's what they do. I remember Paul Wasco. We talked about him a lot. I'm gonna get him to come back on the show again because <laughs> yeah. um, he has so much to share. Um, I remember visiting him. In at University of Alaska, of course, I got to get a take a trip to Alaska. Alaska, yeah, amazing. Sounds sounds like a real tough tough work trip. Exactly, yeah. and so he, so I, I had you know, like I met him in his office hmm. for about two minutes, and then he goes, "Let's go walk," and hmm. so we walked around the campus, and it, like we walked for probably three hours. <laughs> you know, we walked for like hours. I was exhausted, yeah. but it was amazing because he would just pop his head into, like it was a big camp- campus, multiple buildings, you know, we were just walking like all over. He just pops his head in. He was welcome. Everyone likes him because, you know, I think he just had built those relationships Yeah. and and he introduced me to various folks and he tells me about them and I learned a little bit about each of the people that, you know, we met. And, um, but that's the kind of relationship that you can't just build if you're thinking like, Oh, I'm gonna spend most of my time in my office um, writing up this this manifesto on ePortfolio, thinking that I'm gonna send this one email because I'm gonna blast it to like a thousand <laughs> faculty members, and they're gonna come like, you know. Then suddenly, like they, I don't even have to do anything. Send them yeah, one right. more video, and then they'll just. <laughs> They'll just be completely self-sufficient. It really doesn't seem to work like that. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think you know, 
one of the things I will say, one of the things we benefit from at Oxford is that, I mean, it's a small campus, you know, we have, we have about a thousand students. Um, and so we don't have that many faculty either. So um, you have the ability to go. And I have the ability to walk. <laughs> yeah. Just like walking yeah. down the quad. Um, and yeah. so like we, I guess I could know everybody, um, you know, and, and to be fair, I do send out email blasts cause like, mm-hmm. that's how the world works. Um, but it's like the people who I hear back from are those folks that I get to see, um, at a development workshop or at lunch or whatever, because we have that community. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's really, I mean that, but those, all that is to say, those kind of like face to face relationships are what make the, mm-hmm. make the, the nitty gritty, you know, um, list serve emails worth yeah. it. You know, but you work. know, here's a really interesting part. I'm going to make a parallel here. Um, there's a a real sort of business guru named Steve Blank, <laughs> and he um, <clears throat> he had been uh, he had a, a ton of success in in in, in the business world and uh, became sort of an educator teaching at Berkeley and and Stanford. And he came up with, um, he's really one of the, the, the founding, the, the idea of like lean startup, which is what hmm. a lot of people have now heard of hmm. was really from some of his work. And, and he came up with something called a, initially something called the, um, I think it was called the, uh, business model canvas or something like that. Hmm. And, and, um, his, for, like so, he typically worked with all these engineers students who are very very smart. They're at Berkeley, they're at Stanford. They're extremely capable technologically and, and as an engineers. And his absolute first advice is to get out of the office. Is to get out because you need to go and talk to the people. So that's his brute force way. Hmm. Hmm. of scaling so people think no i want to scale my business to have millions of customers or billions of customers if you look at like social media and so on Hmm. uh, you know the the entire idea is is not how do i build this like platform that that is like facebook and then suddenly it just you know it just sort of takes up it doesn't work like that Hmm. you have to go out to people and and at some point though you do cross over you know kind of like probably what you did which is Hey, look! I met with enough people now. I have a little <laughs> list that I can actually send out, you know, yeah. to, to them. But you now have a relationship. It's not just like some cold email. Yeah. Um, and um, and uh, so it it also, I mean, it really works like that, you know. Um, uh, so I think that that's, you know, like I I I've seen I've seen you having the success, and I I kept trying to try to figure out, you know, how can we. Uh, share that with with people on campuses that are you know you know that are still trying to figure this out now i I think that you started with i you know you felt pretty lucky that in both organizations you've had good high level administrative support, so you're not going at it alone you're not trying to have to convince someone that this is a good idea yeah um what I mean, and and I think that it's it is a really difficult uphill battle, you know, for those who don't have that, um, or you have some support. That's why it exists, but it's not is not at a level where um, they're willing to do curriculum level, you know, thinking, you know, with it. It's more yeah. like here is one of the seventeen tools that you can use, <laughs> and if you happen to 
you know, you know, kind of like it or had the time to play with it, go for it. Yeah. Right? And that's harder. It's way harder. Right. Um, what would be, I know that you, you didn't have that experience, but what would you do? What would you do to, to try to work with, um, you know, a dean, a provost, etc., who who's not on board? Or who's mm. who's maybe a little bit on board, you know, they're not saying no, but they they haven't leaned into it. Yeah. What what would you do? Because I know you're very creative and I, I was wondering what, what what your thoughts would be. Man, I think I think I mean and this is this is this is probably boring as I would show them the research. I mean that's that's the thing is is portfolios sell themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. That's that if I were to, you know, and, and, and to sell them as something that's part of a, as part of a larger integrated curriculum, you know, um, they can't just be, they can't just be one, one part of a curriculum, right. They have to be kind of uh, integrated to a whole one, which, which probably isn't a great selling point. Like <laughs> you have to, you have to overhaul your curriculum. Um, but, uh, and I guess that may not also be what I'm saying, but it's, um, Showing showing folks that when you when when students have the chance to reflect and have ownership over their learning, mm-hmm. um, to kind of craft a story in a way that they see fit, like um, we know we know that they retain knowledge better. We know that they are more likely to graduate. We know that mm-hmm. they um, that they're more successful, uh, you know, with grad school and like. I mean, to me, to me, it's 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 just the data on mm-hmm. them that 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 sells them, and and so. Um, I think the approach to an administrator that, I mean, that's, that's it. Yeah. Um, But I, all that said, um, you know, when I say it it has to do with larger curriculum, the, the point is never the portfolio. The point is always sort of the, the learning that happens. So it's, it's a matter of, 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 of talking to folks about what a reflective and integrated curriculum looks like in the liberal arts, I think is, is, is the starting point. I think that's really a great point because, um, I mean, in some ways, your highest level administrators, such as a provost, um, it is their business. Their business is to reinvent the curriculum and mm-hmm. and 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 iterate on it all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, like why else would they be doing this job? You know, yeah. that's a big big component of what they do. So it's not like it's not like um, you know. I I feel like if you are provost. Or even or a dean, and you are shying away from doing that. Something's wrong, you know. Sure. Like that's that's really you know a big part of the job. Yeah. Um, they, you know, um, going back to ghosts. If you're a ghost hunt, hunter and you are scared of them, then you, it doesn't work. You know, like you can't say I don't go and do that. Um, so that's that's the you know that's I, I think. But I think that having that that right approach, that language of you know, you're not really trying to sell them on some platform or some technology because it's not about that. It's about, you know, an integrative and reflective way, you know, integrate integrate and reflection into the curriculum. Um, I think it's a a good approach. And I actually really like, and I, I, I hope that you, once you publish this, we'll, we'll either have another conversation and we'll definitely share widely, you know, as well, uh, some of the idea of an anti-racist pedagogy, for example, I think that there is no school today. Um, well, I don't want to say no school, but many, many schools today are looking for yeah. a um, 
ideas and solutions to what they see in, in, on their own campuses um, to address uh, this issue. They may or may not have exactly the same view as you, you do, or they may be, you know, we've seen recently, you know, the, the, you know what's happening at uh, UNC Chapel Hill. You yeah. know, there, there could be a lot of other political, um, uh, you know, influence and factors in play. Uh, but yet I think that in the long run, um, it does feel like that the arc is going to, and towards justice mm-hmm. and that there is going to be a general direction of what you know where this is going yeah. and 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 uh and that could be a an extremely um uh powerful idea in how we think about the the ongoing development of pedagogy and, and how that might impact our, pe- our curriculum yeah that's actually that's another place where that sort of early adopter um, question is important um, in part mm-hmm. because um, racism, white supremacy, that sort of stuff can never be addressed if it's always um, people of color talking to white people. Um, it has to be it had there has to be people of privilege talking to other people of privilege. That's that's how these conversations happen. And so having early adopters, even with any sort of anti-racist pedagogy, is is critical. And getting um, making sure that your your white faculty are invested is um, it's going to be the most powerful way to make way to make change. Um, and actually, the UNC Chapel Hill thing is interesting because you know mm-hmm. tenure was a de- uh, was 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 eventually offered. It was offered, yeah, mm-hmm. because because the faculty saw the problem. Yes. You know? Now, of yes. course, the the outcome is different, um, mm-hmm. probably for the best. But like, um, you know, that faculty are a powerful force on campuses mm-hmm. and and if you can start to get those early adopters um whether it's portfolios or whether it's dismantling white supremacy um i mean yeah that that's that's your starting point yeah that's a that's a really good point and um uh i guess that is a um some of the beauty of this um you know the you know the the higher education um sort of structure of having a uh, faculty having that kind of autonomy, autonomy and power that they do, and and in um, in that way, you know, there's um, there's a lot of wisdom in in that actually. That that is that's well worth thinking about. All right, Peter, it is what a pleasure and honor to, um, to spend this time with you. And uh, uh, I we we've got to um, have more conversations like this. Uh, we look forward to. Um, the paper uh, when it's um, peer reviewed and published, uh, I think we can give it a plug. It will hopefully be in which journal? Uh, uh, International Journal of ePortfolio. Excellent, and that's the um, uh, um, the 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 journal that is peer reviewed and 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 um, started by Eddie Watson, who is currently at uh, AACNU. Um, we would uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it and uh, definitely uh, when that comes out and maybe you know we can have another conversation but uh, again thank you so much for being here uh, thank you. congratulations on all, all your success and uh, let's talk again soon sounds good thanks Jeff okay take care Digication Scholars Conversations is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative ePortfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com.
This episode was produced by Drew Albanicius. Thanks for listening.